So I'm going to try a little thought experiment here, and I'm going to take you back in time. I'm going to take you back to, oh, let's say 1969, 1968, 67, somewhere in there. America, Northeast America, Rust Belt City, probably fall, because it's always cold up there, it seems. You're inside a kitchen. There's a mother, got her apron on, it's 1969, waiting for her husband to come home from work. She's a stay-at-home mom. She's standing at the cupboard, chopping onions or carrots, and there's a little boy, her son, say, little seven, eight, nine-year-old kid. And he's standing behind her, 10 feet away, and she's talking to him with her back to him. And he's sort of listening. You know, he's seven, eight. He's a boy. He's not really paying attention. But he knows what's happening. He knows she's talking about him. He knows she's telling him what he did wrong, what he's got to do, what he shouldn't do. She's telling him the rules. And he is not interested. He's an eight-year-old boy. And it's 1969. So the little boy listens little bit, gets the hint, gets the idea what's going on, and an idea occurs to him. Hey, my ma's yelling at me, but her back's to me. She can't see me. She doesn't know what I'm going to do. And so that little bratty boy, if you haven't figured out by now, this little bratty boy's me. That's really happened. Takes his two middle fingers, sticks them up in the air, and with every word that comes out of his mother's mouth, he pumps those two middle fingers at her, towards her, with a big smile on his face. So she continues on with this and that. He continues on with his behavior, thinking he's the smartest thing in the world. And then something happens. She stops chopping. She hasn't turned around. She stops talking. There's a stillness in the air. The boy freezes. He doesn't know what to do. All he knows, something's up. He looks around. There's nobody else in the room, just him and his ma. But everything stops. She's stone cold silent. She's like a statue. And there's the boy with his two middle fingers in the air right behind her. He happens to look down in the cupboard. And sitting off to the right of his mother's arm on the cupboard is a kitchen appliance called a toaster. I think we still have those around. I don't know. I haven't seen one in a while. But they were on every baby boomer's kitchen table in the 60s and 70s. You put a couple slices of blood in bread. You push the plunger down. Two electrodes toasted the bread and popped it up in a certain amount of time. But that's not the key to the toaster. The key to the toaster in this story is that the toaster is made of shiny chrome. It's as shiny as a mirror. And that little bratty boy with his two middle fingers up in the air looked down into that toaster and got a chromacrotic view of him in living color. I get the chromatic view, yeah. In living color looking straight into that toaster with those two middle fingers, and then he looked up to his mother's head, and he could see that her head was bent down towards that toaster. And indeed, she'd been watching him flip her off the whole time. This is 1969. 
It's an Irish Catholic household. You're not even allowed to swear. So something's going to happen. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But let me introduce myself. My name's John Ward. I'm a baby boomer, boomer born in 1960. This podcast is called Baby Boomer. It's the strangest generation. And I'm going to talk about everything that we went through in the, in the 60s and 70s as baby boomers, as children of the greatest generation. And we're going to talk about culture, society, politics, toys, music, fashion, TV shows, commercials, movies, everything that you remember. And it's always going to have a hint of nostalgia, but it's also going to get to the important stuff because a lot of stuff happened to the boomers. I've noticed that a lot of other generations really hate baby boomers. I'm not sure why. I think it might be because we bought all the houses and we won't give them back or something. I'm not sure. But I'm going to figure it out during the course of me doing this podcast. So I'm here to say, look at man, baby boomers, I don't know what you're mad at us for, but look at Look at the stuff that we did. We stopped a freaking war. There was a war called the Vietnam War. Some 50,000 Americans died. There was battles every night. We watched it on TV at 7 o'clock on a network channel with Walter Cronkite. Me and my dad watched it like it was a football game until the boomers got sick of it, fighting it, waging it, and they went on into the streets, and shut that war down. Man, that's a big deal. A generation did that. A generation of kids. A generation that's now kind of frowned down upon. For reasons we'll soon explore. You know, we weren't that bad. We put a man on the moon, okay? You guys, you play video games. You don't even walk on your own kitchen floors. You're too busy in your seats. We put a man walking on the moon. That, that, that is some good shit, man. That is some heavy-duty generational stuff man on the moon hell you got the internet now we invent a baby boomer invented the internet check it out his name is al gore he'll tell you all about it and we're still disliked women's liberation let me tell you everybody's about it now everybody's women this women that women power great wonderful you know who started that shit baby boomers Women's Lib in the 1970s. I think it actually just started in the 1920s with the suffrage movement in Center Falls, New York. But in fact, the 1970s, broad-burning females were the ones that surged ahead and gave the women empowerment in this country that they didn't have. And there's probably still a bit more to go. We'll leave that up to you guys, you younger generations. Civil rights. Everything's about black power matters, about diversity and things like that. You know who started that stuff? Baby boomers. Well, actually, you know, there was a civil war fought over it a couple, uh, 150 or so years ago. But the civil rights movement really sprung up in the early 1960s with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the Kennedys, Lyndon Johnson, and the Civil Rights Act was passed. So, you know, you might not like us, but a lot of the stuff you're doing seems like the stuff we already did. And while we didn't invent toasters, there was one sitting at my kitchen counter that day. And my mother saw me. So, it's 1969. 
little Irish boy's giving his mother the finger to her back. She sees him. What do you think happens next? She goes stone cold, quiet, doesn't say a word, freezes. Without moving a muscle in her body, she says, go to your room, wait till your father gets home. Now, I don't know what you want to call what's about to happen to this little brat boy. You want to call it a spanking? You want to call it a thrashing? You want to call it a whooping? You want to call it corporate punishment? And the day they changed the word spanking to corporate punishment, I knew spanking was out. Whatever it's called, it's going to happen to me. And I'm about to learn a lesson. And I'm about to learn a rule. And I'm about to learn about lines and where they're drawn and what little kids can and cannot do. And I'm going to learn it in a scary but really benign way. Nobody's going to get hurt here. Maybe my pride, maybe my humility, but nobody's going to get hurt. If you grew up in the 60s, you grew up in the 70s, maybe even the 80s, you probably got spanked if you were a Brady kid like me. Not that everybody got spanked. Some kids were good. But kids like me got spanked, and we needed it. But let me just explain to you what spanking really was. If you never got spanked, if you didn't spank your kids, there's a big difference between spanking and child abuse. Right, child abuse is if you're getting spanked at three years old and you're still getting spanked at 12 years old, you're getting child abuse and you need to be out of that household situation. If you're an eight-year-old kid with a smart mouth or you stole something from the CVS or whatever and your parents catch you and you catch a little spanking, it's a lot different. Spankings happen only a few times in a child's life. They're usually pre-planned. There's not going to be a attack. It's not going to be like you strike out and anger at your kid. It's like you're going to get a spanking, and it's going to be at such and such o'clock, or when your father comes home, or when I tell your mother what you said, you're going to get a spanking, and you know it's coming, and it's the anticipation. It's the sweat and the bullets that's teaching you the lesson that, hey, you don't tell your mother F you. Now, you can talk to your kid, but he don't listen. You can try and put him in timeout. He don't care. He's going to wander off into la-la land. But you give him a sharp little stinger to the butt, it's going to get his attention. And he's not going to want to go through it again. Went to my bedroom, sat down, waited it out. Heard a car pull up in the driveway. My father was a steel worker. He wore big steel-toed boots, big shanks of steel, wrapped in leather, strapped over the top of his feet so that, you know, if a piece of steel fell on his foot, it wouldn't break. Here's car door slam, count the steps up to the front door, hear the front door open, hear the front door close, hear the whispering, blah, 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 and then I hear, he said, what? And then I hear the footsteps, boom, 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 coming down the hall. I'm eight years old. I'm terrified, right? I'm not mentally scared for the rest of my life. My father's going to pop me, and I deserve it. It's a whole lot better than going on Ridland, let me tell you. Never sworn from my, in front of my mother again, and she is well into her 80s now. 
So I don't think kids get spanked anymore. I did a little research, and all these social psychologists and, and uh, pediatricians and so forth, every study is in agreement. Spanking is detrimental to a child's mental health. I don't know, man, I'm a little suspicious. When every study comes out with the exact same finding, there's no deviation whatsoever. You either can say, hey, man, it's super true. It's super true that spanking screws you up. But then I look around, everybody I know got spanked. Hell, I got spanked. It didn't screw me up. I'm a successful retired physician with no problems whatsoever. Well, yeah, you might want to check with my wife on that. Anyway, my point is spanking didn't screw you up. Child abuse screws you up. Hitting an anger screws up a kid. To fear your parents when your kid is one thing, but to respect them and respect their power and their authority is another thing. So what happens now? What happens with our millennial friends, Gen Zers, Xers, Yers? Well, they came out with a thing called Ritalin. Let me read you how WebMD describes a child who has ADHD, attention uh, deficit hyperactivity disorder, inattentive, doesn't finish their homework, doesn't finish George, fails to listen, careless, makes a lot of mistakes, forgets their lunchbox, impatient, that's enough to get you ADHD designation in this country, and that's enough to put you on Ritalin. Now, in 1969, if I had Ritalin and there was no spanking, let me tell you, I would be on Ritalin. Ritalin is a street drug now. Ritalin is used as a stimulant. It overstimulates children's brains to the point where they can relax out of pure exhaustion and listen. Now, I have some family members that are in the school systems, and they talk to me about pure ADHD kids, and there is no problem with using Ritalin on kids that have these qualities to an exaggerated extent. No spanking's going to help them. They may need a drug. But damn it, man, if little Johnny gave his mother the finger, he's going to be in the back of the class on Ritalin, zoned out, and he's going to be marked for life by that. Here's some of the side effects of Ritalin. Chest pain, fever, seizures, uncontrolled vocal outbursts, overdose, cardiovascular events, dependency, withdrawal, depression. Now, if you treat a kid with Ritalin, you're putting them into all those dangers. If you give a bad little bratty kid a smack on the ass, you're not going to get anything like that. So you can't tell me that spanking isn't a better option for a mildly misbehaving young child. Don't hit your kids when they're three. It's not right. They don't get it. A little poppier, a little poppier. Just let them know the rules. Ritalin makes parenting a lot easier. TV made a lot, uh, parenting a lot easier. 
Video games makes parenting a lot easier. Parenting's tough. I raised a few kids. I had sisters. I was a problem child. I gave my parents a hard time. They put the time in. They put the fear in me. And I turned out all right. Is spanking your kids legal? Damn, I don't know. Well, I looked it up. It's legal in all 50 states. In 14 states, it's legal that teachers can hit your kids. In 14 states. When I was a kid, I went to a Catholic high school. And the reason I went there is because I had such a smart mouth and was such a knucklehead that my father thought I could get knocked around by the priests. And they did that there. And I got knocked around by the priest. And son of a bitch, I deserved it. I did the stupidest, boneheaded, knuckleheadedest shit in the world and got tossed around for it. Never did it again. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks for roughing me up. You made a man out of me. In Europe, almost nobody spanks their kids. You know, like the Swedes and all that. Nobody but what I thought that was funny was every nobody in Europe spanks their kids except for Italy, <laughs> which I just thought, having grown up in an area with a lot of Italian kids, I thought it was funny. Um, so I don't get it, but we we are allowed to do it here, and I don't know how they draw the lines between what is spanking and what is child abuse. But to me, it's just so far apart that it's a different world. So. I'm going to sum it up. It's all right to tap your kids. I in no way endorse child abuse. It's all right to get their attention. It's all right to let them know who's boss. But if you got to do it more than two or three times, you're not doing it right. Because by the second time you do it, that kid is so well-behaved, they're not going to mess with you. It's the, it's the anticipation of the spanking. Not the violence of it. Because the violence is a very small part. It doesn't even hurt. I'm going to tell you. It never hurt me once. I laughed. I would laugh. You know, never let them catch me laugh. But I would laugh. What hurt me was knowing it was coming. Knowing I'd let them down. Knowing I was, it was humiliating for me. Look, this is my first time out with a podcast. My first one ever. So, I'm going to just stop here. I'm going to tell you the name of the podcast is Baby Boomers, The Strangest Generation. This was episode pilot number one called Spanking, Ritalin, and Electric Toasters. My name is John Ward. Check back in a few weeks, see what we got for you. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody.